Are you that friend who's always afraid of social situation? Are you that friend who's living paycheck to paycheck? Are you that friend who thinks twice before purchasing a bubble tea? Oh my god, that sounds like all three of us! Not anymore, you are listening to Broke No More, where we talk in and out about business and startups. Hi Ron, welcome back to Radio Pulse. We are Broke No More and I'm Javier. I'm Lakshmi. And this is all with Otto and Shia Rosha. Yeah, so today we'll be, we are honoured to have our, our guests. So who are our guests? So let's start our introductions rolling. So firstly, we have Eva. So Eva is the uh, director of Baba Black Sheep, which if you don't know what they do, they are in, in the F&B business. And we are here with her husband also. So it's Ming and who's also the director of Baba Black Sheep. So the first question is like a comment for both of you. Uh, we believe that you had different career in the past and now we are entering, uh, this is a completely different career, uh, Baba Black Sheep. So what made you to cause that shift from your own career to this? Uh, so for me, I was previously working in the medical device industry. Um, I decided to retire early so I could more or less do something for myself. And I went out hunting and looked at different opportunities um, in different countries too, uh, but we just ended up with this. So it wasn't a planned thing, it's just something that developed along the way. How about Eva? Yeah, so for me, um, I have been working in the bank for many years, uh, close to 17 years. And, uh, you know, we, we, we always have a passion with uh, food and beverage. And uh, we have dabbled in into like some other business that is related to uh, F&B also. And this opportunity came by and we decided to, you know, uh, we, we look at the business model. Uh, we do uh, like the brand itself. I used to visit Bar Black Sheep myself when I was in my poly days. Mm. So, I mean, we... I have feelings for it. And he too, he used to go to Bar Black Sheep <laughs> too and like spend many nights there. So. Yeah, there was, there was one point when I was there and I this was many years ago and I said, oh, I wouldn't mind owning a place like that. But that was yeah. just obviously yeah. without I think any intention. One question I want to ask is like, what is the biggest challenge transiting from like a medical industry and the finance industry into the F&B industry? The, sorry, the biggest transition. Yeah, the yeah. biggest challenge in the transition wow. from um, such a different industry. Okay, it's. Uh, I think. I think for for me, the biggest difference is probably um, sort of the people you work with. Um, I've always worked regionally. Um, it's always been relatively high positions. Going to food and beverage, you uh, don't work with these kinds of people at all. They're totally different. Um, obviously. Um, with it comes a lot of challenge. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of the biggest difference for me. Yeah, because he's also not local mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, and, and definitely he has certain cultural differences yeah, uh, and sure. language differences mm -hmm. uh, with, like, you know, people in Asia. Yeah. It's, it's just a, you know, sometimes when, when he says say certain things and, and then maybe they, when they interpret it, they interpret it, like, a bit differently. Yeah. yeah, so I think this is also a little bit of a challenge. That's why... Well, even even today, <laughs> when we when we yeah. had communicate with some of our staff, I would look at her and say, "Can you please translate yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. from yeah. local English to my English? Because I really don't understand it." Yeah. Oh, yeah. so uh, 
he asked about what is the biggest difference but my question is was there any similarity you had from your medicine or business to this fmb what was that similarity you had uh i think at the end of the day when you are doing anything uh first thing first is about planning yeah second thing is about uh executing follow through reflect you know so this is something that even when we were working in our uh, you know other industry mm. it's the same thing yeah we we plan we always plan for the uh we always plan for the worst and hope for the best yeah. <laughs> okay and yeah. uh when we uh execute we need to have a smart goal in mind so being very specific mm. what the measurables and also on and so forth and then mm. uh of course at the end we always need to reflect you know so did they execute well yeah. anything that we need to improve on what we do differently next time mm-hmm. so it applies for basically everything right yeah i mean i think for me if if for, for me to answer the question i think it just comes down to um the main similarity that that i have is is hard work mm. um regardless what you do if you want to do it good you want to be successful you really have to work hard it's not it's not a guarantee that it'll work out but it does help a lot and uh, i think that's sort of what what the similarities that i see yeah one that's thing we always <laughs> remind each other is nothing is for free yeah. Yeah. we remind each other nothing is for free we have to work hard for it yeah i think you mentioned something very interesting is that uh the the risk involved and then uh cost from what what we know is that you just now mentioned that you bought over the business in 2020 so like right after circuit breaker so it was a very very huge risk so at that point in time um we didn't know what were the measures put out by the government mm-hmm. so at that point in time uh when you buy over the business what were you thinking about like with all the government measures in mind and also what made you to go with this in particular adding up to his question yeah because uh, during circuit breaker we know that fmb is one of the hardest hit so what made you still decide that fmb was the right choice like after circuit breaker okay so i mean um i i think i think it's not so much about making a right choice it's about not making a wrong choice so there's mm-hmm. there's many ways ways to do things right um for one bar black sheep is is a long standing brand in singapore it's been around for 16 years so it's um you know most fmb places don't really make it beyond what 2 3 4 years mm. um then the brands are gone but baba black sheep's been there a while uh we both had experience um with baba black sheep uh, previously from many years ago so we know it's a strong brand um i've taken many people there and they've always liked it so so there's there's been a you know a lot of good talk about it too so um in terms of choosing this particular brand that's the reason why Uh the other question was about what risk? Yeah, why did you choose it during the pandemic? I mean Okay, so I mean that's an interesting question. I've I've tried to think about that a few times myself too. Um Nobody really plans for for the pandemic. So I guess one I guess the key thing is that when we came out of circuit breaker, I think everybody just figured, okay, that's the end of it. That's life will move on now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, had we known that what was still to come, I think we would probably made a different kind of decision. that doesn't mean we would have bought it but we would have made a different decision but we didn't know that so we made it on what we knew at that time and we saw the risk as a calculated risk we knew there were risks involved we thought it would be a calculated risk as in as in we would be able to persevere 
Um, of course, things never never really work out the way you plan. <laughs> but the good thing is we're still here. Yeah. For any business right now, while the pandemic is an is a exposure as to what is to come, there, there's so many challenges that people face, right? So how did you make um, the pandemic just as an opportunity for Baba Black Sheep to grow is one of the questions we all had and we were wondering if Ava could take it up. <laughs> Yeah. How? Sorry, can you repeat the question again? So basically, how did you choose this risk and make it an opportunity? Because na- the pandemic is just an example of you know mm. a troublesome period that many people face in business. Mm. But there's so many other things that can come up in the future. So how did you navigate through the pandemic and you know move through? Is the question. I guess for one, we do know that um, for Bar Black Sheep, the business model is a. Uh, we talked about this before, that it's market resilient. Uh, because first thing first, um, it's an affordable place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even if it's a recession, you know, you still need a good beer <laughs> and some nice food, right? So yeah, so for one, uh, we are always in a location whereby uh, it's affordable to everybody. Uh, you can go there and be yourself. Uh, so we feel that in terms of the model, uh, as a shared risk, like a coffee shop, uh, is something that it's a, a very good uh, model that we can still embark on. And uh, we do feel that it has a lot of potential um, because it has like many cuisine in one roof, mm-hmm. under one roof, and every, there is something for everybody. Yeah, so with that, we think that it's uh, something that will continue to uh, blossom and expandable yeah if I can just add on to that I think it's also about um, learning by doing I mean mm. we don't we don't come from the industry um, when we when we did a join up we we saw that there are many things that can be improved and changed for the better so we also implemented a lot of changes and changed direction along the way um, the key thing was for us uh, not to just stand still and do nothing and just wait so I, I rather I have the I have the habit of making an opportunity rather than waiting waiting for it to to arise, and I think we did that. So it's not always possible to to understand the risks involved, but mm-hmm. you know you, you have to navigate along the way and, and make sure that you you do the right thing. Yeah, I guess we always ask ourselves like, uh, you know, how to stay competitive. Yeah, how to be relevant. Mm-hmm. I think this is two things that we always talk about because the business cannot be the same uh, mm. always yeah. and forever yeah. we have to adapt you know customer change uh, and product change mm. so one question I want to ask is since you, uh, just now you mentioned about when you took over business you changed the direction and all that so when taking over business uh, do we take a wait and see approach for like a few months to see how it really operates first or do we just immediately in, uh, implement changes when we come through the business like what approach do you think would be a better choice um, yeah we had so we had a couple of those and some of them worked out fine and some of them did not um, they have to be calculated especially in a time like this I mean you have things like cash flow you really have to monitor your cash flow because you're, you're taking in less but your rents are still the same your salaries are still the same so you have to be very careful. It came to a point where we just said, okay, let's stop with the renovations. We can't do them for now. We'll just, we'll just you know, put them on ice. Um, on the other hand, there were, there were grants from the government. They were encouraging, you know, contact-free ordering systems. So we looked into things like that, and we did have money for that. 
uh, some of them, like I said, worked out fine, and some of them we've discontinued because they've they've just not been the right um, sort of impl implementation for yeah. us. And we also learn that you know uh, sometimes even if you have uh, the cash or the the funding to do things, it's always good to test water, start yeah. small, you mm -hmm. know, trial and error first before rolling it out like immediately. So that was one learning, one big learning that we have during the pandemic, uh, you know, with the contactless uh, system that we yeah. have. Yeah. So as we introduced that at, at one of our outlets, it didn't make sense to do it at the others. Um, but then we also had other things where, where you know, the I think the risk would have been just too high to implement. Mm. And then we just stopped it for the yeah. time being. We put it on ice. So I guess for anyone who wants to do a business and try to do something by themselves, they must have this mentality whereby things will always come different from their plan. Mm. And they think that, okay, you know what? This is going to be a big hit. Everybody will love this because I love this. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work, work that work way. That. No, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of like new startups always be like, oh, this is something I want in the market. So I'm sure everybody will also that's want right. it. Yeah. But yeah. It's not like that. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, like this one you mentioned, so like, do you actually go out, like ask your customers or maybe have customers uh, mm. feedback form to ask them like, to see what do they want? Yes, we do. Mm, however, we still need to make certain uh, business decisions. Um, like what are the... Because the product will also draw the customers. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, we need to think about like, you know, if we want more uh, wine drinking customers mm -hmm. or we want somebody to come in and binge drink, you know. So, you know, all this will, will actually affect how we want to, uh, you know, what type of product we want to bring in. But yeah, we do. We have customer feedback forms. Uh, we have um, in the outlet, we have uh, online feedback. Um, I do like to host, so I do mingle a lot with our regulars. And, uh, you know, I'll always go out and talk to them and um, ask, you know, we have we have this uh, new potential vendor coming in that wants to do a bit of French food like crepes and gelette. So we have a French group and I asked them last night, I said, hey, what do you guys think? You know, is this something that you would mm -hmm. want to do? So yeah, we do that. We, we def for sure we have to do that. So uh, you guys were talking about the business model. You said one of the factors you were considering when you were buying this uh, market was the business model, okay? I believe the business model was hugely impacted when COVID came. So what was that impact and how, how what was the change it created in the business model? Okay, I, I mean, that's a... That, well, it's a, it's not a tough question, but it's it's a it goes down to the core of, of what we do. So the impact was absolutely massive. Um, it came to the point. So so we have we have food side and we have drink side. And food side we have multiple. Drink side is only one. Um, so on the food side, in worst in the worst case, um, they they would close shop. And say, you know, we, we don't have personnel, we can't pay, we don't have income, and we have to close. So it came to the point that we had one or two outlets where we could serve drinks, but we couldn't serve food. And that doesn't work. Yeah. So yeah. we ended up closing the outlet temporarily until we found new people. Okay. It forced us to change our, uh, it, forced, it forced us to restructure our uh, rental models to make it attractive because it's a risky time, you know, but we need, pe we need people in with, with the food. So we, offered, you know, differentiated kinds of uh, tenancy agreements to help them kickstart the business, something that wouldn't burden them too much, but also for them to see the potential that, you know, the outlet bubble actually has for them. Mm -hmm. 
So it brought on a lot of changes, and we're still we're still coping with those changes today. Yeah. It hasn't changed. And one thing for us is we always look at how we can have a win-win situation in terms for us and for the tenants. The people we yeah, work so with. So yeah. I guess, um, you know, we, we have a lot of things that's being aligned. I mean, in terms of having a business, it's very important that your business partners is yep. aligned with you. Yep. Yeah, that you are, you know, uh, going towards a point in the same direction. <laughs> I mean, we, we've had yeah. people approach us that wants to do this sort of particular cuisine and, you know, they're happy to pay the rents, but but it doesn't gel with what we do. You know, yeah. we're, we're a beer drinking place, wine, we have cocktails, and if they bring in a product that just doesn't gel with it, it, it will change the entire dynamic. They will fail. It'll end up causing us to fail too, and yeah. that's not something that we want. So we just, we're, we're selective with what we do, and we, we try very hard to make sure that they also uh, can succeed in what they do. That's very important for us. Yeah. And we work on ourselves to be uh, the best business partner we can be for anyone that we work with. So I think this is also uh, one important point. Yeah. And uh, so you mentioned about like being uh, good to your tenants. Yeah. So I think one of the issues that we all have been th- thinking about is definitely the rising rents uh, faced mm-hmm. by uh, pushed by our, by our landlords. We have seen like coffee shops being bought over with like record yeah. levels of sales. Yeah. So at this point, like uh, one of the biggest issue is like, uh, I mean, how do you negotiate, manage the relationship with your landlord in this, like for business? Uh, okay, so I'm I'm okay. So um, as as we m- mentioned at the very beginning, we used to have four outlets. We closed one. The reason we closed it is because of landlord issues. Um, we had just come out of circuit breaker. This was in July, June, July. Uh, the lease was up for renewal in October. At the same time, the landlord wanted us to revamp the situation at the place, and we said we'd do that. We'd put in new decking, furniture, paint, everything. But we also asked for a little bit of help from their side uh, in support, either, you know, pay a portion of the renovation fees or maybe reduce the rent. They were not willing to do that, uh, so we didn't renew the tenancy agreement. Um, for the other, for our other landlords, I must say we have ex- extremely good landlords. They're very, very fair. Um, they're very decent and they're very supportive of, of our business. I don't know if that's just lucky or not. Um, I've spoken to others who, you know, have both positive and negative experiences but uh in this case we have we have uh, very good landlords yeah. so As I a guess in, in business point of view is also to know where to let when to let go mm. yeah and not hold on i mean on, on this rent uh on on that spot right i was the one that is like should we really <laughs> you know maybe we should continue and then he's like you know i mean it, it was a it was a difficult decision because we difficult. just took over the business mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. you want to be successful. And closing an outlet, I mean, you could consider that to be a failure under circumstances. Yeah. Uh, but it was a pure, pure business decision. Yeah. Um, but it turned out to be a good decision. Yeah. It was the right decision. It was painful when we were doing the reinstatement, you know. And yeah. Yeah, but just it's, it's a really know that, like, okay, this is the right thing to do and to be able to <laughs> sleep. <laughs> yeah. I think this is one thing that a lot of new startups might not be able to like accept. Like, oh, this th- this business division is failing. Maybe, but they are still unwilling to like let go yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, because of like sentimental value or That's they right. still see future in yes. it. Yes, and yeah. it's the same with with 
with staff, with personnel, or ideas that, like like we said, you may love the idea, but it doesn't mean <laughs> others will like it too, right? Yeah. But you have to let it go. It's got to be you've got you've got to cut and make a business. It's got to be a business decision at the end of the day. I mean, unless you have enough money to fund everything and anything you want, that's fine. But at the end of the day, it's got to be a business decision. Mm-hmm. So a head head decision, not a heart decision. Yeah. <laughs> this I rely a lot on him because obviously he has more experience than I have, mm-hmm. and yeah. I really rely on him on this. A bit personal, but um, so I had parents who started things together. And um, how do you like manage your personal and professional life together, considering that you both have started something? Because I've seen uh, from personal experience, it's very easy to say things like, oh, what is professional is professional, what's personal is personal. But as a daughter, when you are living in the same household, things get mixed up and it's not necessarily that case. And from what we've spoken, you both definitely have like a compatibility in terms of like professional and personal. So how do you keep it going? And if there's arguments, how do you let it not seep into your personal life and so on is a question that I had. Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll start off by saying that um, even I, we've, we've been together for like, what, 12 years? Uh, we've never had an argument ever on anything. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good thing. Um, we're both very hardworking. Um, to the extent that we can both be alcohol- uh, workaholics, not alcoholics, workaholics. <laughs> 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 He's purposely, um, he purposely kind of like yeah, that to, to that To the extent that we can uh, really be workaholics and just, I mean, you know, we have we have nights where we just go to bed at 3 or 4 a.m. because we've just finished working. But it's a choice we make. It's not we have to, it's a choice we make. Um, I think it comes down to, a, a lot of, for me personally, it comes down to discipline. Um I'm I'm I tend to be a very disciplined person, and um, I think it's important that we spend time together, uh, personal time together, private time together. So I I do make a habit of of pushing sort of an agenda. Like when a weekend comes, I'll I'll sort of like ask like one or two days before, do you have you planning to do any work this weekend? And then sort of try and maneuver in that position where she says, okay, I'm done, the weekend's free, and then we spend time. So it's it's really it's a lot about discipline. But at the beginning, it's tough. But we both accepted it. So we work like 16, 18 hours a day, you know. So, and yeah, it's something that we're... Okay, um, Rose, a very great answer first. And and a honest answer as well. I think that's what uh, Lakshmi expected, I believe. (laughs) And uh, for any business, it would be a startup or a corporate firm. One of the big factors they look out is how to retain their customers. And... After COVID, I believe a lot of people's first option is a food outlet so that they can hang out with friends. So a lot of people would have visited you. What are the efforts you took or how did you manage to retain your customers who come and visit your Baba Black Sheep? I think for Baba Black Sheep, um, a lot of customers, they, they love our environment, uh, the feeling that they have there. Uh, like I say at the beginning, uh, you can be who you are and go to that place and you don't feel that you need to dress up uh, you need to be a different person you have to behave you know you, you can be yourself very relaxed it's a place that you can go there and wind down uh, and uh, you know just have a very meaningful conversation with your uh, family friends or colleagues um, over mm, nice draft beers, mm. delicious draft <laughs> beers. <laughs> yeah, and it's also yeah. like like we mentioned earlier on. It's also about listening to them because, of course, you all, you you have you have your um, sort of 
base of, of regulars, but you also have new people that come in. So it's also about listening to them and, and, and seeing what they want, um, seeing what products we need to change. So during the pandemic, since there was there were no tourists or very little tourists, uh, you know, depending on which outlet we had, we removed a lot of our foreign beers because the locals don't drink them. Mm -hmm. They just drink what they know, the local stuff. So we had to change our menus a bit. Uh, now that we're opening up again, we've started to bring in these foreign beers again because people are even asking for them too. So we look at that. We look at, you know, sort of trendy stuff that's happening in Singapore with food, on the food scene. Uh, what is sort of the new stuff coming in and what do people like? And, and we try to see if we can adapt some of that too. So th there's a lot of movement going on, especially at this point. There's a lot of movement. And, and we just try to listen out, sound out, and then see what we can also uh, implement to, to, to provide that. Yeah. Having said that, the local uh, market uh, actually opened up to... Uh, I mean, one thing about Singapore, Singaporeans uh, is that they are very open to try mm. new things. Mm. Yeah, just that the um, foreign beers uh, is something that is growing. Yeah, so we also um, hope to see that more locals will give a try to uh, these foreign beers. I know some of them can be priced a little bit more high because they are imported. Uh, the ingredient that they use are premiums. Uh, and uh, it, it really tastes different, you know. When you when you know that you can have a beer, uh, when it starts to warm up and it still tastes good, yeah. And it's like, oh, when the beer is not cold anymore, it's not nice. It's very different, yeah. If you get a chance, you should also... I'll give it a try. Yeah. So so we are hoping to see more locals trying out uh, the foreign beers mm. also. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, so we have to come to end of the first half of our interview. So stay tuned for our second half. And meanwhile, in this part we covered whether uh, what time they bought the shop, shop and how they managed to pull out to the best level. And in our past episode we also talked at what time you can start your startup and at what time you can change your startup into a full-time episode. So if you're not listened to it, please go back. It is available on Spotify under the banner Radio Pulse or A-D-I-O-P-U-L-Z-T. Okay, so see you on part two and stay tuned. Hi, welcome back to Broke No More, and we are at our second half. So, once again, I'm Javier. I'm Lakshmi. And this is Arudotu and Shah Rosha. And today we have with us the directors of Baba Black Sheep, Eva, and her husband, Ming. So, so now we are stepping on to the part two, and let's start up with some rapid fire rounds by Lakshmi. Okay, yeah, so these are just a bunch of fun questions that um, we are going to ask both Ming and Eva, and let's just. Hope. It's just eight to nine questions and hope they have a bit of fun because so far it's, you know, serious and let's, you know, light things up. Um, can we start with you, Ming? Sure. Is that okay? Okay. Sure. Um, okay, so the first would be, what motivates you to get out of bed? And we need quick answers. Uh, I'd, I'd like to be awake. I, I like to be active. I love to do things. <laughs> okay. Um, your biggest learning so far with Baba Black Sheep? Um, nothing's for free. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. The best alcoholic drink in Baba Black Sheep. The best. Uh, the best must probably be the blood and sand cocktail. Okay, everyone listen to it and please go to Baba Black Sheep and try it. Um, your advice to young entrepreneurs? 
Oh, don't give up. Uh, just dream big. Uh, make sure you make uh, obviously good, good, right decisions. But uh, don't, don't give up. Never give up. Okay. One skill everyone should develop today. Discipline. Discipline. Your biggest business accomplishment so far. Um, to to basically make it through COVID, to remain, to, to be where we are today. Love that. One of Baba Black Sheep's best dishes that everyone should have. Gosh, that's a difficult one. We have quite a few. Um, you can say a few as well. Okay, <laughs> top so, three or top five. so we have an Oktoberfest special coming up here. It's called the Currywurst, which is a, a, a traditional German sausage with a mm. special kind of sauce on it. That's for the Oktoberfest time. Um, we have um, Thai food vendor there. They do pretty good green curry, uh, and I love their pad thai. Okay, so you have three things. <laughs> okay, um, what are you reading or listening to right now? Uh, I always listen to um, a Spotify um, series called Case Files. Those are true crime stories. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We love wow. it. We love it. Um, and what do you do in your free time? Um, I don't really have a lot of free time. I love to cook. Uh, absolutely love cooking and whenever we get a chance we do pop in watch a movie love it um, one other company or CEO that inspires you and why wow that's a really tough one uh, another company okay a company that inspires me um, let's say okay so I'm working with this company it's a small company I'm working with this company called Divas Medic um, it's also a startup. It's in Malaysia, and I'm working together with them. I love the team. Yep. I love what they're doing, and uh, I think they have a lot of potential. Yep. So that's all for Ming. We can go to Ava right now. Is it the same questions or different um, questions? Now oh I'm trying God. to mix it up because you already know some of the questions. So oh I might mix the order a bit and mix some of the questions. So Warnings, yeah. my lady. Oh, no. <laughs> Answer is yours. I don't think I can do it fast. I'm like a slow person <laughs> sure I will, we won't we won't pressure you all right yeah. thank you um so what's your favorite part of your job right now favorite part of my job now is that i can choose to do things on my own time yeah. my own terms yeah yeah so i think it's something that yeah mm, that's, yeah yeah any general business philosophies that you live by or like that Oh. Baba Black Sheep lives by. Okay, I guess it's more for me. Um, I will always tell Minghua that um, success in life is always based on many small decisions that we make. So we have to be very careful with the small little decision, not mm -hmm. the big decision of, oh, I'm going to yeah. do this today and then hoping to, sus uh, to be successful. Yeah, so it's about the little things. The small things. Yes. They add up a lot. Yeah. yeah. If you can have a dinner party with any four people in the world, who would it be? Four. Four. Okay, let's make it three. Three. Um, I guess would be Ray Dalio. Okay. Uh, Ming, of course. Uh, Ming is out <laughs> of it. box. We oh. actually add up Ming as the fourth person. That's why it's shorter <laughs> than the three. I see. I see. Uh, Ray Dalio, uh, my brother. And um, it can be anyone, even Michael Jackson. Who knows? <laughs> even can be Lakshmi. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Suddenly, I'm like blank. Uh, so choose anyone. Your okay, parents. Let's do Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, what's some of the best, or just one of the best business uh, business advice that you've ever gotten? 
best business advice? Nothing is for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to get that tattooed. <laughs> nothing is for free. <laughs> and, and 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 nothing lasts forever. Oh, that's oh, exactly wow. wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what's your biggest learning so far with Baba Black Sheep? My biggest learning uh, is that to be able to accept things to be different from plans yeah. and to be able to uh, to be flexible and adapt as uh, situation mm-hmm. goes by. Flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's your turn. What's the best alcoholic drink in Baba Black Sheep? Oh, I'm a, I'm a simple person. I like the Sheep Shape Chavignon Blanc. Sheep yeah. So it's our exclusive uh, white wine that we have. Uh, I like it because it's very drinkable. It's very tasty, you know, grapefruity. So <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and your favorite dish in Baba Black Sheep that you top three. Oh wow. Same rules. Okay, three. <laughs> wow, I have quite a bit. Um, I love our Indian food, the butter chicken, uh, the biryani. Yeah, a uh, mutton biryani. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> for the Thai food, I love uh, the Pad Thai. Yeah, but for this campus, uh, definitely the yakisoba, yaki okonomiyaki, and Pad Thai. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Things are on bucket list for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A final one. What's your advice to any young entrepreneur today? My advice for the young entrepreneur. Mm, well, it's about okay for me. I have a few things. It's about um, build your reputation. Number one, because that will affect your network. Uh, number two will be the decision that you make uh, every single day. Uh, so the small decision, like you know, to be disciplined, to wake up on time, to be on time when meeting people. Certain discipline, certain principle, uphold it. Yeah, and always respect before people's time. Yeah. Mm, so this is something that I will give in terms of advice mm. to anybody who wants to start a business. Yeah. yeah, so we have come to the end of the rapid fire segment. Yeah. So uh, definitely loved sorry, it. Not like so such. rapid. <laughs> and uh, yeah. now yeah. we are asking towards students' point of view. Your questions, are like we all want to get your opinions towards students. And also Xavier has his own question, by the way, for you. Okay. So uh, for students, okay, I think you are the rightful person to have. We can get opinion on. Okay. For example, I study a degree, but and I find a job that is good looking for me, but it's different from what I studied. So it's basically a trans transformation for me. So when I want to undergo that transformation, what are the struggles I gonna face, and how what uh, how can I overcome it? I think for me is uh, take it a step at a time. Mm. So a lot of time when we see things like oh a transition into something different, this is a big thing, yeah. But you can break it down like, you know, what are the small things that I will do to help me transit into the new uh, role or like position that I'm in. Uh, I think that will take off a hell of a burden from your back. Yeah. Can, can I add something to that? Yeah. Yes, please. So I think, I mean, th- there are a few professions that, that people learn where it's very difficult to transition out. And these are usually the licensed professions, like if you're a doctor, mm. you're a lawyer, you know, anything that's licensed. Um, but I would say that um, I think most people don't end up doing what they actually study. Mm-hmm. They actually do transition out in some form or other, um, as, as is the case for me also. I studied one thing. I worked in there a bit, and then I transitioned out. I did it because I realized um, 
if I want to earn my money, more money, I need to make some changes. So I think I think it's just you know follow, follow your passion and and you know don't be afraid to to try and go a different way. It's definitely not lost. Um, even if you do something else, it's definitely lost. It's you know a degree is just more or less a passport, a door opener to the next level. Uh, so so don't be afraid to make that change. Thank you so much. And now Xavier's question. Going back to uh, the business question, so how important is social media in uh, today's uh, society? Uh, I think it's killer important. I don't think anybody can do without it, to be very honest. it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's become so integrated into everybody's lifestyle, especially the younger generations. I mean, for the older people, um, you know, they still struggle with how to operate an iPad, believe it or not. But, um, you know, it's it's just you just can't live without it. It's it's fundamental to everything everything that happens. I'm not sure about how it, how well it works uh, in some segments, but I don't think uh, any company can afford not to be involved in in multiple forms of social media. Yeah, I share the same sentiment as uh, Ming. Yeah. You know, now people are really talking about like NFTs. Yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> buying land and the metaverse you know so it's like it's it's getting if if in any case it's getting deeper into yeah. uh, people's life yeah so getting started on like a social media is often one of the hardest because uh, when you first start a social media page there'll be no one following it but you still have to produce content so like how do you get started from uh like from zero and like end up with where you are today in terms of like social media presence I guess it's about um, having that in mind mm-hmm. that you want to have followers and uh, you you want to create certain content that is meaningful uh, to the customers that speak to them. Let's say, for example, we are a beer drinking place. So, of course, my content has to be maybe beer related or like wine related, um, maybe educational. Uh, and then, you know, uh, finding people who are like-minded you know, connect with them and then and hopefully they also see certain connection with us and, you know, check us out. Yeah, and I think, I think, I mean, I don't think it's too complicated to set up uh, some of the forms of social media that are available. So they're quite easy to do. Mm. And then you can, I mean, we do have activities, uh, you know, if, if we, let's say, for example, we, we launched a bubble tea at Bubble Black Sheep, I don't know, about eight months ago. And then we said, Bubble hey, if you, tea. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we said, if you take a picture and you post it on Instagram, you know, you get you get a discount. You get a fifteen percent discount. So right. that also helps to generate. Yeah. yeah, you can do things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's about trying different ways and uh, to realize that what works. Uh, you know, uh, the key thing that I learned is also to keep trying. Mm-hmm. You know, if certain things don't work, then go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Start from the beginning and then try something else. I, I think it's also important to, I mean, this is maybe a little bit too um, sort of business-minded, but it's also, you, you also have to understand what is it that you're really, really trying to achieve with social marketing. Yeah. What do you, what do you expect to get back on it? Is this something that you really want your business to grow from or is it something that you just want to maintain, oh, yes. an awareness? Uh, you need to be clear on what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. So how has like Baba Black Sheep social media evolution has, has it been like difficult or is there any struggles? Um, and for, because I, 
I work in a, in a firm that's been there for 25 years and recently um, we were hiring a young person and they were like we don't want to join because we don't know you I don't, you don't have an Instagram page and I was just like okay <laughs> social media is important because the new generation needs to show it to their friends and in and as a company like that what how would you say um, any any advice for like you know people starting out on social media like you've given a lot but during the pandemic or as, as someone who's just starting with social media yourself um, any rough tips or how have has Baba Black Sheep's evolution with social media been? Actually for us we are still learning by mm. doing yeah. uh, and we do understand uh, that the media presence is very important uh, yeah. yeah so so a lot of time we are also trying to build up that Mm-mm-mm. yeah so yeah. I think we are still in the midst of uh, learning yeah. to yeah learning by doing yeah and, and the pandemic has I would say for us because we're in the F&B business and, and we're focused in Singapore I think I think we basically took a break from social mm-hmm. media during the pandemic meaning we just maintained sort of the status quo yeah. we wanted to invest in it but realized uh, we couldn't afford it at that time so we put it on ice um, we want to keep everybody on the payroll yeah <laughs> And then um, now we've started slowly to to revamp it a little bit. We're looking at what we do, what we can do. We're talking to a few people who have a lot of experience or knowledge in in the field, and we're getting sort of input. So you know, we, we, as Eva said, we're we're look re looking at it now, trying to understand what can be done, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully we can also move forward with with one or two projects in that area. Mm-hmm. So, folks, if you are wondering about their social media handle, where you can spot them on, they are on Instagram, that is Bar Bar Black Sheep Official, and you can check out their Instagram page for more details about their shop and their social media activities. And you can also check out us on Radio Pulse as well to know more about us. Please Do you guys have us. any other questions? Ma'am? Please tag us. Yeah, yeah, sure, we will. Okay, so with this note, uh, we are coming to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for spending your time uh, and having a giving us a chance to interview you thanks for thank inviting thanks us thanks for having <laughs> us yeah. yeah thank you so hey guys stay tuned stay healthy stay safe and see you soon bye bye